All right, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 11. And this is familiar scripture. We're going to go ahead and read it, uh, all of it. So there's quite a bit of scripture because I th- we should have time. Luke chapter 15. Verse 11. So, and it is the, uh, the parable. Luke 15. We're going to start in 11. But it's, uh, I guess it doesn't really say it's a parable. But it is uh, the prodigal son. Everybody's pretty familiar with the story, but we're going to go ahead and read it. So that we fully understand it. And it says in verse 11, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger, of them said his, uh, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and sent him into his fields to feed wine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he had come to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hand servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son uh, and the son said unto him, uh, unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he, was, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in, Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he, answering, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I, uh, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never givest me a kid that I might, be, that I might make merry uh, with my friends. But as soon as thy, this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that, 
we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Most of the time when we hear about the prodigal son, obviously they're referring to the prodigal son. When, we, when people read this scripture, when people teach or preach on it, the majority of the time you're talking about somebody who has sinned, turned away from God. Not just from sin, but has completely turned from God, ran from God, backslidden, and rejected Him, and came back in return. That's usually how we hear it preached. But what we're going to focus on mainly is that that brother, the brother of, the, of this prodigal son, because this man was in his father's house the entire time, right? He never left. He said that he never transgressed against his father. He said that he never did anything wrong, but stayed there. And yet the father never gave him anything. Never gave him so much as a kid, which is just a, a, a baby goat. Uh, never gave him anything like that for him to go and have a party. And yet he stayed there this whole time. His son leaves, throws a, basically wastes all of his inheritance, and then comes back and his father throws a great big celebration for him. And he's angry at this. So what we see here is a man that, is, that has stayed faithful to God. To some extent, in his own eyes, he's stayed faithful to God. And looks, as though, looks to somebody who is uh, uh, returned to the, the faith, returned to Christ. And he's angry. That's, that's the image that, God, that Jesus was trying to get across, right? That somebody that is, was, has been serving God and now is angry because somebody has returned. And I would say that we find ourselves a lot as servants of God, as children of God, that come and are faithful to Him. And we see that, uh, and, and we get a mentality that nothing that God has is ours. And that we have to work for everything. The son was out in the field, and he was, uh, or the brother of the, uh, the prodigal son, was out in the field working, right? He was doing what he needed to do. Uh, making provisions for himself, working for his father, doing everything that was expected of him. And yet he never understood that everything that the father had belonged to him, right? You don't hesitate to go into your parents' refrigerator and grab food, right? For the most part, I hope you don't have to, because that's not a very good house to live in. But if, you, if you're comfortable and you know that everything that belongs to your parents belongs to you, you understand that the, what, God, what Jesus is trying to show us is that in that part is that this man did not understand that everything that belonged to his father belonged to him. At any time he could have went and got a kid and, and threw a celebration is basically what this father is telling his son is that at any time you could have went and got this. You could have gathered this up. You could have had a party. Everything I own belongs to you. You could have went and got the fatted calf. We could have butchered it for a celebration. Everything I have belongs to you is what he tells him. So what do we see? How do we relate this to ourselves? Because we come to church and we're, we're faithful to God to, uh, in many ways. We may not be perfect, and that's not what he's speaking of. But we may not be perfect, but we find ourselves faithful to God. We think we, uh, we see ourselves as, as trying to do what we can. We're out in the field working, trying to minister the Word of God in any way we can. Witnessed, be a light in this dark world. We're attempting to be like Christ to this dying people, right? So we look at that, but what we find ourselves a lot of the time is we don't trust that everything that belongs to God belongs to us. 
So then we find ourselves looking around, right? We find ourselves looking to other things. Uh, We don't realize that there's joy in the Lord. We don't accept that. We don't receive it. We don't realize that there's peace in God. And we begin to look to other things. And I'd like to, to tell you about this crazy dream I had the other night that may help us understand what God's trying to show us. But anyway, uh, so I was, had this dream that I was with some people, and I don't really know who they were, but we were at an ocean, or at least a large body of water, large enough that it had waves. And that uh, uh, we were at this, uh, at this seashore, and these people that I was with, for whatever reason, uh, was scuba diving. They had the scuba gear, and there was caves in, this, uh, in the water, and they were swimming in these caves, checking it all out. And I remember just thinking, I'm not interested in doing that. That seems pretty dangerous, but I'm going to watch, you know. And anyway, so we come to this other one and they kind of had a guide with them, showing them where these caves were. And then they, he points to this other cave and he's like, there's this one, but it's kind of sketchy. You know, he's like, that one's pretty dangerous. So uh, what, he's, what, uh, what I seen there was... And these, these people that I was with, they were like, oh, okay, whatever, we're going in. So they dive into this cave, and it was just, it was right at the edge of the water, and you could see inside, and it was just a small, I mean, just big enough for you to get into uh, opening, and it went at a pretty steep angle down. But what I noticed when I looked at it that it wasn't like a rock formation, but it was just a hole in the sand. And I remember thinking, wow, that is not the place you want to be. Because sand inside water just collapses, right? Anybody that's ever been around it, it is not solid. And they go in there, and sure enough, they get in there just far enough to be out of sight, and then you see the sand just falling on. And that, and I, and I'm like freaking out, and I'm like, man, we've got to help these people. And then while I'm there, the waves are coming through, obviously, and I'm by the edge. I'm standing at the edge of this, and the edge of the cave gives way, and it. And I fall in and I'm in there and I'm trying to swim out and I can see uh, the opening and I'm trying to get out of this thing and I'm trying to swim and uh, I'm wanting to grab on the edges. But I knew if I grabbed on the edges because it would sand, it would just fall in. Well, it it, it ends up falling in in front of me and uh, I'm kind of a claustrophobic person. I'm not super claustrophobic like I can handle small spaces, but I. I don't like the idea of being stuck somewhere I can't get out. So, uh, and obviously I didn't, in my dream, I didn't have the scuba gear. So I was sitting there digging and digging and digging, trying to get through the sand. But if you've ever dug in sand with water, you dig the hole and it fills itself in, right? And that's what was happening. And I was really starting to panic. Like, I was getting scared, right? I mean, it turned in from a dream to a nightmare. And... Uh, and the thought crossed my mind while I was digging in that sand, open your eyes. So I thought, okay. I was digging and panicking, digging and panicking, and the thought came again, just open your eyes. And when I opened my eyes, I just opened them in bed, woke up, and it was morning. And, uh, and I was really confused by that because sometimes dreams mean things and sometimes dreams are just dreams, Right. They're just crazy and weird. But I, it, it kind of stuck with me, and I, I couldn't really figure out why it stuck with me. So I began to kind of pray about it and ask God what He wanted to show me about that. And what He was showing me was is that we find ourselves 
not trusting in the provisions of God. So then we look to other things, right? We look to the things of this world. We, we don't want to be a part of the sin. We don't want to be a part of the danger. I didn't want to go scuba diving with those guys. But I was happy to stand at the edge and watch them do whatever they were doing. Watch them be a part of the danger. I was perfectly happy by standing at the edge. And what God spoke to me was is that as I was standing at that edge, that we can only stand at the edge and stare and watch other people commit these things, do this dangerous acts, things that are harmful, right? Things that are dangerous to their spirit. I'm not talking about dangerous as in physically, but spiritually dangerous, things that are going to take them to hell things that are going to separate them from God. We find ourselves willing to stand at the edge while they do that stuff, and you take enjoyment by watching, but the edge is not safe. That the edge will fall away, right? And that edge will suck you in, and you will be a part of it. And we find ourselves looking to things because we don't know that everything that belongs to God belongs to us. We think that we have to provide for ourselves because God will not provide for us. For us, we think that we have to go out and, and, and spend our life trying to obtain a really high paying job so that we can have the things that we think we need. We think that we have to go and be this certain person to have the friends to receive the acceptance that we think we need. We don't realize that everything we need belongs to the Father, and everything that the Father possesses belongs to us because we are. Sons of the God. Uh, We are the children of God, right? Because the way that works is that whenever you were born again, we know that Jesus died and was resurrected, right? The symbolism there is that being born again is that your life dies and you were born again in Christ. When When God looks down, He doesn't see Michaela or Abby. He sees Jesus, right? He sees His Son. So that makes, the Bible says that that makes us joint heirs. We are joint heirs with Christ. Everything that Christ had access to, we now have access to because of Jesus, right? So we find ourselves not having joy. And we'll go and try to do these things and be a part of these things that we have no business being a part of. Or at least watching people do these things because we don't realize that joy is something that God has, and it is freely given to us. Everything that God has is given to us, and we may find ourselves looking into this world, trying to obtain things that we don't realize that is in provision of God, and we realize that that thing will eventually give way, and we find ourselves sucked in and committing sin. It may not be a powerful, uh, it may not be a great sin, but we'll find ourselves struggling with it, not able to come out and not able to come out of that uh, because we have been trapped in, right? Just like that dream that I had. I was sucked in because I was willing to stand by the edge, knowing it was dangerous in my mind, watching people being consumed in it. I was standing at that edge, and it sucked me in. And I wasn't able to get out because it collapsed on me, held me in there, because that is what sin does, right? It will draw us in. Satan doesn't come to you and try to convince you to murder somebody, right? For somebody who's pretty, no, I, I would assume because Abby is a pretty nice person 
that she's not tempted to go and shoot somebody with a, and kill them, right? I would assume that's not a temptation of her because she's a nice person, unless she's one of those secret psychos, you know? No, but uh, anyway, she, she's not tempted of that. So Satan's not coming to her and telling her, you know what, you should grab a gun and go and, and, and uh, shoot, the, shoot your neighbor friend because he did you wrong or something. He's not going to come and do that, right? But what he might do is he might come and say, you know what, that person wasn't nice to you. And, and they talk about you, and maybe you should talk about them. Maybe, maybe he'll put somebody with you that will talk about them for you, and then you get to be a part of it. Whatever the case may be, Satan's going to come and he's going to tempt you. He's going to show you something that maybe is interesting to you, right? It was interesting to watch those people dive into a cave because they're crazy, right? I thought it was nuts in my dream that they would go inside these holes underwater. Just kind of gave me a little panic attack just thinking about uh, being doing what they were doing. But I was perfectly willing to watch. We might be... Uh, uh, I found it interesting to watch. I was not willing to get in there, but I was willing to stand by. I might not be willing to gossip about somebody, but I might be willing to sit there long enough that it starts to influence me, right? I may not be willing to, uh, to get drunk anymore, but I might be willing to sit next to my friends drinking long enough that it might start to consume me, that I might start partaking in it. Whatever it might be, we may not be willing to commit that sin but if we stand at the edge long enough, it's going to suck us in, right? And I believe that that's the image that uh, God was giving us, is that He was showing us that it, no matter how comfortable and safe we think we are, but because we do not have fulfillment in Christ, we don't have the fulfillment in God, because we don't realize that everything that belongs to God belongs to us, we go to look at other things, right? Because if you were completely fulfilled with Christ, you would not look at the things of this world. You wouldn't be standing at the edge, willing to be sucked in, or not willing to be sucked in, but standing at the edge, willing to watch, and putting yourself in danger of being sucked in. If you was completely fulfilled in Christ, you would focus on Jesus. You would focus on God. Realize that everything that the Father has belongs to us. All the joy, all the peace, all the provisions, everything we need belong, uh, is uh, wrapped up in Christ. And we do not need the things of this world. But if we continue to allow ourselves to stand by that, it will suck us in. And the danger is, is that we cannot dig ourselves out, right? We've talked and talked about it in the past that we cannot do, we cannot pull ourselves out of sin. What brings us out of sin is Christ, right? And what I found amazing was that in that dream, something spoke to me or the thought came through my head, whatever the case may be, was to simply open my eyes, right? I just needed to open my eyes. And when I did, I found that I was not in that position, but I was safe at home, right? I was in my bed. It was morning time. I was not being consumed by this. And what God is telling us is that if you are in Christ and you find yourself slipping into sin, being bound into that, unable to get out, we simply open our eyes. We realize and we look towards Christ. We open our eyes and realize that what we're bound in is not actually part of us. It is not actually consuming us because we are free from that, because we are born of Christ, right? We are with Christ. 
He is in us. We are in Him. Our salvation is in Jesus. And it's not in our provision. It's not in our ability to, to, uh, to climb out of that hole or dig ourselves out of that sin that we're in. But it is simply in Christ. So if we just simply open our eyes and look to Christ, then we are removed from that position. He will save us from the bondage of sin. We must know that that is a provision of God. That ability to awaken yourself out of sin lies in the provision of God. And I'd like to read a a couple more scriptures over in uh, Romans. It's chapter 13, if you're interested, in verse 11. And it says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The scripture is telling us to wake up, right? I was asleep in this time. I was asleep dreaming of this thing, allowing myself to be consumed inside that pit and allowing myself to be a part of that. But all I had to do was wake up. All I had to do was to to bring myself out of that sleep and I was no longer in danger. We find ourselves sleeping with God. We find ourselves sleeping spiritually, allowing ourselves to be a part of sin, right? Allowing ourselves to stand on the edge of things that we have no business being a part of. And we are sleeping in the spirit because we're not about the father's work. We're not truly about the things of God because that son that was in that father's house, though he was in there, he felt as though that he was right with his father. But what he found out is that he had pride in himself, that he was not that he thought it was something important of himself to be able to be in his father's house doing this work, that he was uh, being somewhat self-righteous because his brother had left and spent everything. But while he was in his father's house, while he was in the church service, while he was doing the work of God, he found that he was not able to see God in it, right? He found that he was not able to see the provision. He didn't feel that God was providing for him. He didn't, under, he didn't realize that everything that he needed was lying there with, uh, within Christ. Just as we are sitting here, we see that uh, we don't see the provision of God. We don't see what it is that He's leading us into. And we're spiritually asleep. Not able to overcome the things of this world. We find ourselves consumed with social media. Consumed with sinful things. Uh, consumed with the, the, the stimulations of this world. Drawing us away from the things of God. And it's the Scripture here is telling us to wake up. Simply right. It says, to, to now it is time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Uh, this are pe- these are people that believe in God. It says right, down, right there that it says it's nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. How do we do that? He said that we must wake up. 
And we must wake up in order to cast off the darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly uh, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. How are we going to uh, keep ourselves away from these sinful things that it talks about? How are we going to keep ourselves from standing on the edge of pits that are going to suck us in? And it isn't because we're going to be good people. It isn't because we're going to attend church. It's not because we're going to be able to, uh, we're going to do the things that God, is, uh, that God has said is good to do, but it's because we put on Jesus Christ, right? It is not because we're going to be great people. That son thought he was something special, but he never even understood that everything that his father had belonged to him it was whenever the son that left it was when the prodigal son that left and lost everything and he opened his eyes and realized i need to return to my father because everything i need my father has i will be safe in my father's house and it was when he opened his eyes his brother was able to stay inside that house never leave and his eyes were closed the whole time he was sleeping the entire time he didn't realize that the provisions his father had were his provisions himself everything that his father had belonged to him everything that god has belongs to us right we find ourselves sleeping spiritually because even though we're standing and sitting in the house of god doing the things that we think god wants to be done but because we have not put on christ we have not put on jesus we do not understand the fullness of god right we don't understand the fullness of worship we don't understand the fullness of his word we don't understand the fullness of prayer why do we do these things you'll never know unless you put jesus on right you'll never know unless you allow yourself to wake out of your spiritual sleep you cannot dig yourself out of that sin but you will be pulled out of that sin as soon as you put jesus on right so i i really don't know how to end it so uh i think we'll just kind of wrap it up uh we're running out of time anyway so uh if you want an opportunity to pray we've got some time that uh we've got a few minutes anyway before we'll have to go but if you want some time to pray uh now would be a great time if you found yourself sleeping spiritually if you found yourself desiring to uh To awaken out of that sleep, you simply put on Christ. You simply repent. You simply uh, accept in faith that He is going to perform this, right? So it it is not by our actions, but it is simply submitting to Him and allowing Him to use us and allowing Him to to save us and allowing Him to to purify us. So, if you've got a a desire to pray, we'd gladly pray with you.